Hi, everybody. It's episode 474 of PodQuest. Hey. Hey. It's Wednesday, September 13th, 2023. I am Chris. With me is Druton. Hello. And Walnut. Hi, I'm here. How you guys doing? I'm tired. Uh, it's, it's, it's a little toasty. A little toasty. But I'm managing. Did you kind of turn that air conditioning? No, fuck off. There's no point now at this point. I made it through the worst of the day today, and it's going to drop down to 60, and tomorrow's going to drop down to, like, 50. So it's like, there's no no point turning that on anymore. It's off for the rest of the season. I'm done. It's, it doesn't, don't need it. Like, the weather lied today. It was only supposed to be, like, 75 and rainy all day, uh, but it ended up hitting, like, close, and it ended up hitting, like, 81. Yesterday was rough without the air conditioning, but today, today was more manageable because it was actually, like, a little windy, too. And it wasn't like super humid, but I'm tired of paying 250 to 300 dollars for an energy. So the air conditioners. That's you are braver than I am. It's not that bad. It's it's not. If you're like sitting there, it's not unco- you're not uncomfortable. It's not super hot. If you have got a fan running, you'll be fine. Uh, but it's like if you're moving around and doing a lot, then you might start to feel it a little bit more. But again, like I said, uh, it's going to drop down to under 70 tonight. So yeah. Where, it's gonna be. It's gonna cool down rapidly. Where I'm sitting right now, I have a fan on. Um, it's upstairs though, so the air conditioning doesn't really come up here, and I am very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it. And I like air conditioning, I guess. <laughs> I also have the unfortunate, like by like noon, the sun is behind the house where there's absolutely no shade. So mm-hmm. the living room and the the room where my computer is just gets full sun all afternoon and turns into a fucking oven. <laughs> I think you're the opposite, aren't you? Don't you get sun in the front of your house, like, in the morning, and then by the evening, it's in the back of the house? My house faces south, so I get sun in the morning um, on the, uh, I guess that's the east side, yeah, right? Yeah, that's the east side. I get the sun in the morning, and then at night and evening, it does come right into, like, my front windows. Um, but, like, they're in the front corner of the house, front front east corner of the house, so it's like... It's really only coming into that corner and going right out the windows right next to them. It's not really super hot, but it's still... I'm I'm also in the back corner of the house where all my electronics are, and it's hotter over here because I have monitors and computers and not a lot of actual airflow going on back here. Which, also, not not great. Yeah. But other than that, I guess, uh, what is on the agenda? On the agenda, uh, the three of us, and maybe you listeners, have been reading a book... Um, they're, uh, Unity, which is, uh, they do, like, they're, they're, um, fuck, what's the word? The game engine, gaming engine, change, like, their policies on things. Uh, uh, then I have, uh, gotten a decent way into Ender Lilies, Quietus of the Knights, spelled with a K, not an N, Cobb. Um, Cobb, you did some Starfield. Uh, I tried out and got through the tutorial of Monster Hunter Now, or Monster Hunter Go. Um, and, uh, Cobb, you saw a band I've always wanted to see, Baby Metal. Well, you should have gone to see them. I, where, with what money? The, I, you could have just walked in. They would have not even noticed. Probably. But yeah, so, uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think? So, so I guess, up front, it's, um, it, we're talking about the book, like Richie said. Uh, I'm just gonna say, like, it's, it's the first half of the book, so it's up to iteration four. So just assume full spoilers for the first 200-ish pages of Jurassic Park. Yeah. Like, that seems fair. Man, I messed mm-hmm. that timestamp up all the way. Jesus. Good job. For some reason, I, I put 47 first when 47 <laughs> was the second. 
I'm like, no, we're not 47 already. What the fuck? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, so to spoilers for the first half of the, the novel of Jurassic Park. I guess, what do you guys think so far? I, uh, so I read, I read the forward, um, about Michael Crichton, and then also, of course, I read, like, the intro, which it was kind of technically part of the book, which is about, like, like, the, the, it, it's basically a precursor to the, to what goes on after. It's like a prequel to the end of the book or something. It tells us that basically what we're doing, what we're reading is, like, court court ruling or court documentation or court saying or something like that. I don't, oh, I yeah, 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 that thing where it lists, like, yeah. all these other, like, instances of, like, bioengineering and stuff. Yeah, yeah, the introduction, which it's it's not even numbered. It's even, it's, uh, it's Roman numeral. Uh, so it's, like, even before the prologue. And when I first started reading it and I read the forward about Michael Cray and the fact that he is, like, a doctor and had a doctor in, like, medical and whatnot, I got scared. I got so scared because I was like, oh, this is going to be very technical. This is going to be, like, potentially hard to read because of his background. And it's not. It is a very, it's a, a lot e- much, a lot easier of a read than I was expecting. Yes, there are some technical words that, like, I kind of just glance over and don't even try to really pronounce them when I'm reading them. That's how reading works. But, yeah. Um, but like over for the most part, it, it this is a much easier read than I was expecting. Yeah, I mean Michael. I mean Michael Crichton. Like he has been. He like oh well, not has been because he passed away in like two thousand six or seven. I think. Um, he wrote all sorts of very popular fiction, science fiction, stuff like that. He he's the creator of ER, the the show. Um, yeah, I oh, did well. not realize he was a creator of ER, but it, that's uh, one of the things that's said in the forward. Uh, he wrote, we all know Westworld, he wrote Westworld. Yeah, like the original novel um, for Westworld, which is yeah. not like the TV show. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote Twister. Oh, I forgot about that. So a lot, a lot of his things get turned into, like, movies. Yeah. And, or, or, or TV adaptations. Um, I'm, I'm very much enjoying this read. It's very, it's a, it's a lot different than I was expecting. Drew, how much do you hate it? I don't hate it. Like, it's fine. I'd probably be more interested if i like didn't know basically everything that was gonna happen which i mean in the book's defense like it is it is is more different than i expected it to be yeah i i honestly it's i i can't say incredibly different i haven't gotten into the like where where i started to get super excited reading was nearing the end of the second or the third iteration where you're getting into everything that happens in jurassic park so who knows how much same that's gonna be um but like the first half of the book is Yes, there are similar sequences, but to me, it's incredibly different. But I, I, I agree, but I, I do understand Drew's point of, like, beyond those first, beyond the first iteration, so the first, like, five or six chapters, I want to say it was, um, that had, that were not part of the movie at all. Once you mm-hmm. get to, like, Grant and Ellie, like, even when things are different, you, like, mostly know the gist of it. Like, yeah. even, like, the Nedry stuff, totally yeah. different setup than in the movie, um, but still also the the same outcome as far as like what's going on with him like it, 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 even the dude's name Dod, Dodgson Dodson is still the Dodson yeah. yeah like it's just it's at an airport and he's not as much of a douchebag as um, Nedry is in the movie but like still a douchebag uh, and that that's I don't want to compare this too too much with the movie but like that's one thing that like the movie definitely did differently is the movie painted, you know, Dr. Hammond in the light of more of 
a hero, but this book is painting him more of a villain. Oh, yeah. And he is definitely more of a villain in this book than he is a hero. And it's painting... The book is painting in a sense, trying to make you understand that Hammond is thinks he's a hero and everyone else is the villain and the heroes are all the heroes and Hammond's the villain. It's not the 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 lawyer. The lawyer isn't the villain in this book. Yeah. Whereas that's what you are built to believe in the movies. But I'd also argue that like this franchise in general, at, at least the first one, isn't really built on heroes and villains that much. Like Yeah. Hammond was more benevolent, benevolent, yeah, benevolent than malevolent in Yeah. Like in the two, so like he's like the kindly old grandfather in Jurassic Park. Like he's literally doing a thing that, like, well, yes, make him a ton of money, but he's also like he argues with the lawyer very early in the movie about um about the cost of entry because a lo- there's a scene in the movie where the lawyer says something like, "We can charge whatever we want, five thousand, six thousand, and Hammond's like, "No, no, no, I want, I want." people i want families to be able to to come here and he's like yeah yeah we'll, we'll do like a coupon day or something so like in the movie it's very much like the the lawyer is like the money grubbing like he doesn't really care about anything but the the bottom line and hammond's a little bit more whimsical i guess yeah well, yeah that's and, a good word yeah and and the the book does paint that picture for the lawyer that he is more worried about the money but like hammond doesn't care about safety. Hammond doesn't want to listen to anybody. Hammond doesn't think anybody ca- anybody is right. He thinks everyone's wrong. And, like, even the conversation that he had with Dr. Wu about, like, these are actual dinosaurs and not the dinosaurs people want to see, like, I get what Wu is saying. And I kind of agree with Dr. Wu. Like, I, I, I don't want to... I, I, I don't fully want to see a brontosaurus running 60 miles an hour. I want to see him lumbering around. I want to see a slow lumbering brontosaurus. Like you do in the movie. <laughs> like you do in the movie. Yeah, no, like, like absolutely. That, like, he is, it's not so much that he's, he's a villain, and he's not, he's not even really an antagonist in it. He's just, he has the vision of the park, and he hires all these people to make his vision, even though at a certain point, what his vision is doesn't really meet yeah. what he thinks the world wants. Like, He's making a yeah. park of what he wants, um, based on knowing everything. Like he gets to see yeah. these dinosaurs from like stage zero all the way to completion. And at this point, like the park's not even ready enough for them to be able to have done this tour already. So Hammond's never been in the cars. He's never seen how boring it can be when there's just no dinosaurs to even see. But like, and Wu makes some other good points of like we don't know if this if this is right. Like. Which I actually think that was actually was very it was it was a very smart thing to put in the book that is not part of the movie because uh, mm-hmm. the, the movie is very much in that science fantasy land now where before it was so in my opinion like Jurassic Park in say 1995 was still firmly science fiction because at the time we didn't know as much as we do now about what dinosaurs probably could have looked like uh, yeah and like it was assumed back then that like they may have. They may have evolved two birds, but they were still, like, more reptilian. Um, so all the dinosaurs look like fucking alligators. And it's like, well, that might not be the case. Like, velociraptors may have had feathers. Who fucking knows? Yeah. So the fact that Wu's yeah. like, we're just, like, piecing shit together and hoping for the best. Like, yeah. we're literally filling in bits and pieces of, like, 
other animals that are just adaptive to two things to try and like create these these creatures um they might not be anything like they were 150 million years ago mm-hmm. um yeah i also uh, one thing that i i really like that the book did so far is um actually having the whole their breeding thing be part of the story yeah it, like it's cuz it when they turn that when that happens in the book and they like actually at one point they like timmy sees uh a a a raptor and it was like no no that's not possible um and then later on they figure out oh they're breeding already like they're breeding like and it's halfway through the book it's not at the very end which is where they find it in in the movie like the moot like that raised the stakes for the book that raised the stakes so much because in the movie the quote villains were the four raptors yeah and they never find out that like the humans never find the eggs in the movie it's just a thing no, that we're shown. Grant Grant finds them. Does Grant find the egg? Grant finds them and sh- and talks to the kid and tells the kids about. Oh, he right, used- right. That is right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Whereas, like, this actually raises stakes because you they went from what was it like? I can't remember. I think uh, I have the book right in front of me. I could probably find it. It was like two hundred and fifty di- like total dinosaurs to like over three hundred. Yeah. Um. And, it, like, Malcolm recognized it immediately that, like, the charts they were showing were for, like, a breeding population, not a yeah. every six months we dump a bunch of these creatures into the wild. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And a- uh, velociraptors were, went from eight to 37. And it's like, all right, that raises the stakes of this entirely. Because 37 fucking velociraptor, that's, that's scary. That is insane. Yeah, it, like, exactly. Like, just the fact that they're leaning into at this point in the book that these dinosaurs have all multiplied at this point. Yeah. And they also explain how it's possible. Like, be, like, cause in the movie, they just very blatantly tell you, like, right up front when, like, they, they get to Wu's lab. It's like, oh yeah, we've just been rebuilding it with frog DNA. And frankly, like, I, like, I didn't really know that, like, frogs had the ability to, like, resex themselves. Yeah. And I guess it's probably not all frogs, but maybe it's, it, like, Maybe it is. Maybe it's just an amphibian thing. I don't know. I'm not a fucking biologist. But uh, that's just like, it's almost like a throwaway line in the movie that I guess if if you know that stuff, you'll recognize like, oh, that's how it's happening. But in this, they just, they, they, they explain it. Like, they don't make it, it's not like exposition exposition. Like, it's part of the narrative of like, hey, did you guys like match this up with like another animal to make it happen? It's like, oh yeah, no, that's, there's your problem, guys. Why is the yeah, why and, is the mathematician figuring out the biology issues? And like at this point, they haven't really fully explained why frog DNA. All it was was uh, Grant tells Wu to look into the DNA specifically frog DNA, and he says, "I'll check." And then he's like, "I uh, check. I think that'll uh, you'll find it holds an answer." Malcolm asked, "Why frog DNA?" Oh, w- was then, it Malcolm? Right. Yeah, and then and then Gennaro was like. Wait, this is interesting, but like, what about the animals that got off the island? Is this possible? Like, and and they so that ended the frog conversation. They haven't really explained yet whether or not like or what the frogs mean, what it means for the frogs, or what it, what the frog yeah what the frogs mean. Right. Um, I was pretty sure they said the whole amphibians can change sex. Did you use fr- like basically the exact same shit that was in the movie? It's all in that last few pages of the third iteration or whatever 
Because I, I know the there. I know the third iteration ends with Maldoon going and finding out that that the Jeep is gone, but not not realizing right away that it was Nedry that took it. Mm-hmm. He just realize he just gets down to the garage and the Jeep is gone. But yeah, like it. I don't know. It's weird for like most books to movies are pretty different, but in like the wrong ways. Like mm-hmm. the movies tend to like cut the wrong corners and stuff like that. And at least so yeah. far, like up to this halfway point, I feel like Jurassic Park didn't. I feel like what mm-hmm. Jurassic Park like changed and kept and and adjusted like still gets the basic story that Crichton was telling across at least up to the point that we're at. And I was thinking about this like on my drive home actually cuz I knew we'd be talking about it. I can't think of any situation in the Jurassic Park movie where they could have added or removed certain things to make some of the other plot points from the book work without the movie either having really bad pacing or just being too long. Like adding, yeah, adding all of the um. So we we skipped over it, but that first iteration where you're finding out that like mi- like a dinosaur, at least one small dinosaur, did get off the island somehow, probably yeah. on a boat. Um, and they well, actually it's more than one because they, they the one woman found like a, a little group of them eating a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so like these little scavenger dinosaurs were like attacking children and babies and shit like that, and it's like that wouldn't have actually worked in the movie. Like, that whole kind of, like, mini storyline where it goes from Costa Rica, the little girl being attacked, through, like, her hospital stay, and then the remains of that of that dinosaur going to New York, and none of that would have fit in the movie at all. The, yeah, the no. little kid attack is how the first, is how the third movie starts. Yeah, because that's, um, there's, like, the little girl, the only difference is it's, um, they're, like, a rich family, like, literally, like, anchored off the coast of the beach right am i remembering that right i i don't think they were on isla nublar no they're on the other island because that's the whole thing with jurassic park 3 is they go back to the other island um yeah because or no or then no it's one of the jurassic parks maybe it's jurassic park 2 starts with a little kid being attacked on a beach yeah because it's like her um her, her parents are rich, it's, it's and they the have, same. like, a fancy little lunch set up on, like, a table, and they have all their wait yeah. staff. I think It's that- basically, the, it might be Jurassic, it might be Lost World, but it's basically the same scenario that this book starts with. Yeah, I do remember, um, th- I'm pretty sure that is Lost World, because Jurassic Park 3 is where, um... He's, uh, the, uh, the co- uh, jets, or not jet skiing, but... Paris? Windsurfing. Yeah parasailing that's it yeah yeah with like the the mother's like boyfriend or something like that yeah yeah because but both of them are on isla sorna because i think we're told that it's isla sorna right away in lost world and then um in jurassic park 3 grants like i've never been to this island i don't know what the fuck you're talking about yeah but yeah that that whole beginning thing just wouldn't have worked in in that in the first movie at all yeah agreed i think the only thing i feel like they left out of the first movie that is in the book that I kind of now wish was in the movie was a better explanation of why Nedry does what he does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause you know what? All you really get in, in the movie is Hammond kind of getting angry with him about his money problem Yeah, because yeah. he's like, he's being like a whiny brat about like wanting, yeah. wanting to get paid more for all of the work he does. Yeah. They, they, well, I think, they even paint Nedry, and it's not as much he wanted to get paid more for all the work he does. He just, he was bad with money and was running into money issues, and that's why. 
Like, I can't 100% remember Nedry's story in the movie. They never really give it. Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I really like what they're doing with his, what, what, what Crichton did with his story here. It's like, oh, he, he bid properly and then further demands made his bid become an underbid. And he's now losing money on this job. And like on top of that, they were, they were bad mouthing him to other potential clients and call, like actually costing him potential jobs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like, I under, I totally understand. Like, Nedry is not a bad guy in this. He's, he's getting his, he's getting what's due to him. Like, he, he got fucked over, which again, run, like, turns, like, Hammond into a bad guy. Like, it, it's just, it's so wild how, how much they changed Hammond. Yeah. Uh, in, in, and to be fair, we don't know for sure that that stuff was directly Hammond as much as it was definitely in Gen. In Jen Gennaro, the uh, lawyer, yeah, um, like like them, and those people. Like, I also won't say this doesn't make Nedry not a bad guy. Like, yeah, he's like, definitely still I a bad underst- guy. But yeah, he's, de- he's, he's got his. Re- it's a very more defined reason why yeah. he does what he does. Exactly. Well, the the whole the one thing that I don't like about Nedry is the fact that the reason the power going out turns off security is because he built it that. I don't like that. I I don't think anybody would ever actually do that in real life. That like as dumb as it sounds, that is the least believable thing in this book. No, I mean, but it's no, super that's common the second for least believable thing in the book. Well, you, you know what I'm saying. Though. Obviously, the least believable thing is bringing back dinosaurs. But no, like, it, it's no, the doctor it's at the beginning not that. knowing what the word raptor is. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's the most unbelievable thing in the mo- or in the book. Oh. Yeah. Look, man, clo- well, they, they no cloned one, no one- they cloned a sheep. They, there's they could possibly clone a dinosaur if they ever got enough DNA. Well, it's it's the fact that no one in the beginning of the book even knew what a dinosaur was. Like even the dinosaur experts who saw a picture of the dinosaur drawn by a little kid didn't know that that was a dinosaur. No, the the lady did because none of them were dinosaur it, experts. Be- no, yeah. the lady did because her kid. What? Because she said her kid. Loves dinosaurs, and her kid would know that that's a dinosaur. Listen, you know, no adults like dinosaurs. Once you become, once Everybody you hit like age like dinosaurs. sixteen, dinosaurs stop being cool. Also, you got to keep in mind, dinosaurs. You like dinosaurs now because of Jurassic Park. Like, I, adults in nineteen ninety did not give a fuck about dinosaurs. Uh, yeah, I don't. Maybe I don't know. I don't. I don't know. But I, I feel like I would have always loved dinosaurs. But also, like, keep in mind that. Nobody was a dinosaur expert until it got to to Grant and Ellie, and Grant recognized yeah. the Grant recognized the X ray of the partially eaten skeleton as a dinosaur immediately. Yeah. Um. Everyone else, it was like I think it was like um uh like the Center for Disease Control or something like that is where they sent the me- sample to Museum of Natural History. No, that, that even the, the that? sample didn't go to the museum. Um. Grant and and no, the kid it- talk about the museum. Yeah, it went to some college in New York City. Yeah. And they're like research biological research lab. Yeah, it, it was some place that could look into like um what the the venom and stuff could have been that uh ha- Tropical Disease Laboratory of Columbia University. Hey, there you go. You found that quick. Page 25, first line. Hey. <laughs> um so yeah, like I can understand them not knowing, especially having just like a portion of a dinosaur that like yeah. to the way it's described, it sounds like it could just also look like a lizard, especially if you're not seeing it walk on its hind legs. Mm-hmm. But well, and I'm pretty sure even they were like, "No, she, she said it walked on its hind legs." No, 
No, it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like kids and their wild stories. No one ever believes fucking kids. Because kids are little fucking liars. Every one of them. I don't know. Not all of them. Some <laughs> of them. Not all of them. But but yeah, the, the, that one doctor who's like, they, they make her out to be very intelligent, too. It's like she studied at like like some like good hospital or something like that and, and all this. And it's like, but you've never heard the word raptor before? Like, yeah. even even removing the idea that um that you don't know what, like, a velociraptor is. Like, there's a fucking basketball team. Is it a basketball team that's the, the, the Raptors? Yes. Toronto, so, right? Yeah, the LA. So it's it's LA, team, but I don't think they were no, Raptors It's back then. Toronto. Also, Toronto. Uh, they got were named Raptors because of Jurassic Park. Oh, really? Are they? I didn't realize <laughs> they were a newer team. Yeah, they were, like, 90. But Five. there's also like but, birds of but prey birds, that are called birds raptors. of prey. Yes, that's exactly where the doctor should but have at least again, heard the term raptor and then been like, "Oh, I, did, did a bird do this?" Uh, no, this but, couldn't have been a bird. You, uh, I like, just lo- yeah. I just looked up the word raptor and and got, landed on the Wikipedia for bird of prey. This this woman's a doctor. It means she had to study Latin to some degree. The word the term raptor is derived from the Latin word rapio. Meaning to seize or take by force. Like she was an ER doctor who dealt so, with animal attacks before. Yeah. Like never once did the word raptor like like I thought it was I thought it was the guy who didn't know what raptor No, was. no, it was the woman because so in her defense, initially she thought it was Spanish because the, the worker that was injured yeah. that kept mumbling raptor, she thought he was speaking in Spanish because they're in Costa Rica. Um but like after like after saying it out loud to yourself a bunch of times and looking in Spanish English dictionaries, like because even even when she said she finally looked it up in in just like a regular English dictionary, like it was left very ambiguous that she seemed to not still know what that meant. I'm like, what? Well, yeah, I mean the fact that she had to look up the word in the English dictionary, being like, I, I totally could get the. Oh, hey, does raptor mean something different in Spanish? Like, yeah. and looking at and looking into that part of it, but then the, like, wait, let me look it up in English. It's like, wait, you fucking never heard of this word before? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, I I do agree, though. That is definitely the, like, really, guys? (laughs) That's where, that's the one that, that seems to, to stick, but, I don't know. Other, other than that, I think a lot of it's actually pretty good. Like, like, I think, yeah, for something that is, like, fiction, um, I think like the the way that they use science in it um, sounds plausible to somebody who's not a scientist. Right. Yeah. Like, he he was able to dumb down the science enough, but still make it sound smart. And it, like that, it also helps that he maybe might have made up some of it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like that's that's what I was saying. Like right when we started, I was, I was so scared that this is going to be a difficult read because he's a doctor. But no, like this works. Like it it is. For someone who doesn't read often, who isn't good at reading, I I am able. It, it it pulls me in. Like when I sit down to read, I'm I'm reading. Uh, my first time I sat down to read, I read eighty pages, which is a lot for me. Second time was about sixty, and then last night was another uh, seventy or. 80. I only sat down to read this book like three times, which that's you know that's not bad. Yeah, like good job. It's been stupid busy, stupid busy. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, the, the end of, when, once they all started to get into the whole, 
like dinosaurs on the loose situation like because like drew said like we've we've seen the movie a million times we know the movie we know what's going to happen next we know the t-rex attack is going to happen at the beginning of the next chapter it's literally called t- tyrannosaurus i think i would call oh no the main road so it's not called tyrannosaurus but like we you know what's going to happen next the t-rex attack the kids are going to get lost in the jungle with dr grant um like all of uh, knowing that was all coming up, I was getting very excited and wanted to keep reading. And like, like you said, when they were like, "Oh yeah, they've been breeding for a lot longer," and the revelation came out halfway in, I was like, "Oh, this is this is great. I'm I'm into this." And most of the time reading last night, I was saying to myself, "If they turned this into a series like they did with Westworld, I think this would do because they'd be able to do more of the original book." Yes, it'd be a little bit slower paced at the beginning, but you'd be able to actually learn more about the world. And that's the one thing I really love about the book, is it gives you those flashbacks with the characters and their interactions and their past. Like with Dr. Wu, like with um, um, uh, uh, Newman. Uh, Nedry. Nedry. Yeah. Um, I don't think we got... My, we got some with Arnold. Like, Arnold was... The reason he got his... Like, in the movies... Arnold was like more of a tech guy, whereas this no, he's he's a uh, he he made he made a, a amusement parks. He was amusement park manager. Like he, he was he was a mechanic basically more so than he is the tech guy and the computer guy, which is what they made him seem like he was in the movie. And it's like oh, I I like this. I like this take and the fact that like I I like that. Like I said, the only thing that's really bummer to me is that Nedry. It's like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna shut down the entire island in order to do what I need to do, and it's I I just don't think that's very believable that someone would do that, especially knowing that there's fucking kids out there. But so I I legitimately think that he was so short sighted in both the movie and the the book that he didn't realize what shutting what that shutdown was going to do. Like, yeah, I think, but he, but he built the system. He knew what that was going to do. No, no, like, I think he he understood what the shutdown would do to the systems. I don't think he anticipated that, like... I mean, A, the dinosaurs are breeding, so there's way more dinosaurs than they expected. And he knew nothing about how intelligent they were. Or that they yeah. would actually attack. Like, to him, yeah. it was, like, it was, it was a no-risk situation. They also right. didn't know that there was going to be that storm coming, either. Yeah. So, like... While he while he is still like a bad guy, I don't think he intentionally did the whole shutdown thing to like potentially put people's lives at risk. It was simply a means to an end, and yeah. mm-hmm. I feel like he legitimately and, didn't think that anything like bad would happen to any people because of yeah. That. And and the other thing is he's expecting to be back in five minutes. It's only supposed to take like three minutes to get there, drop it off, and three minutes to get back. So he's legitimately expecting to be back and be able to reset it before anything happens. yeah right um there was some there was something else that they did in the book that i'm trying to remember now that was different so i mean lex and tim obviously are different yeah um yeah i, I think actually a lot of the characters like and like like you said rich we're that, we're, that, we're getting I'm, reasonings behind like why certain people uh, are doing the jobs they're doing that you just can't do in a movie because the only way to explain it in a movie is to literally have a person sit there and explain it out loud in a mm-hmm. book you get that just you just get the prose. You just get the text. It's not a flashback necessarily. It's not internal dialogue. It's just Nedry was a, a a computer science major at MIT. Like you just get told that in the text. <laughs> I, I, I am I am gonna say one thing that might be slightly controversial. 
Um, I reading this book gives me a little bit of a sense that, and again, going to be kind of controversial. I feel like Michael Crichton might have a negative bias towards black um, because he has specifically written that there are three so far three black people and always represented them as a black guy came up a black guard another black guard and always specifically said that they were black then every other character he besides dr Wu, did not mention their race and so i'm just like i don't i i get a little bit of a icky feeling anytime i read these characters like that come out these characters like a black like this black guy came up and i'm just like i don't know michael Crichton. i don't know about that statement right there um yeah yeah, because I, I don't think they've really, like, specified... None of the lead main characters have really been identified as a white man, or... I think Dr. Wu, they... I, his name is Dr. Wu. I hate to be reductive on his name, but his name is Dr. Wu. He's he's of Asian descent. I think he's the only main character that they've said what his race is. And I'm not saying, like, you have to identify someone as a white person, a black person, but, like, when you specifically go, it seems like he's specifically going out of his way to identify these three minor characters as black guys. It just gives me a little bit of a an ick. Which I completely understand. Um, I do remember the thing that I was trying to think of now, because that kind of, like, reminded me from that. Um, in, in, the, in the chapter titled T-Rex, or it might just be Rex, um, the entire chapter, everybody, except Malcolm, keeps saying he. After less than a chapter prior, they were explained that all the dinosaurs are girls. And I think it's very funny that but every one of these scientists they... is exclusively referring to these two dinosaurs by male pronouns. But they also exclusively say that they specifically call the Rex a he in the book. I just think that's funny. Like, I think it's funny that, like, that's what they do until Malcolm goes, it's a she, guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just... Why Why go to the trouble of pointing out that they're all female to only then be like, yeah, but we call this one he because it's the biggest, toughest one. Like, Yeah, it's, it is a weird one because they don't, that is something, they didn't do that in the, like, they didn't make sure, they, they called the T-Rex a she in the, in the movies. Like, they, they didn't, that's like a throwaway thing. Like, they didn't really need to do that. They didn't need to call the Rex a he. Yeah, I just, I did, I thought that was funny. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, the other, the other biggest change I can think of is, is the Tim and Lex, like I said before, like the fact that Tim is older. Um, they're both fairly young. So I think, I think Tim was supposed to be around the same age he, he is in the book, but Lex was, I think, supposed to be like 14 or something like that. Yeah. Whereas she's, I think they said eight and Tim is like she, 11 yeah, or 12. Like eight, she, eight and 11 and, uh, roles are reversed. Tim is a nerdy, probably going to be the computer kid who saves the world. Whereas Lex is the jock. I mean, t- to be fair, they were both just kind of nerdy in the movie. Because remember, t- well, Tim was, was super he, into the dinosaur stuff. Yeah, he was super into the dinosaur stuff, but he wasn't like the computer nerd or whatever. No, that was Lex. I, 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 I got the sense that he was like, or at least reading what Lex is, that I got the sense that like, all right, maybe he did have that little bit of a potentially jock thought or jock overview, but also he liked dinosaurs because... No, I never got that be, from the movie. He like he was he was telling goofy no. jokes. He was super excited to be around uh, around Doctor Grant. Yeah, I I didn't get it from the movie. I got it from reading the book. And I was like, all right, maybe they tried to make him more of the like. Oh, she's okay. the, Obviously, the nerdy nerdy one. He likes dinosaurs, but maybe he's not as nerdy as everything else. He's just nerdy about dinosaurs. Which I mean, definitely seems like it could be the case. Yeah. 
it's also funny that like in in the movie like grant doesn't want to be around the kids but in the book he's like yeah oh no like the kids are great like they love dinosaurs that was what's not to like about about a a person that loves dinosaurs right that was one of the weirdest changes so far is um he hates kids in the movie he loves kids in the book like he i think straight up is uncomfortable around kids in the but in the book he's like i i come on kids i got you you're great I love it. It's yeah. it's funny. And I, I think in the, I, I think they I, do it in the movie because it's easier to kind of split it, them ca- between the the trucks that way. Whereas in the book they they use the reasoning of the the adults need to talk about what's yeah. going on so the kids have to go yeah. with the the guide guy. And uh I was upset that we didn't get a fat kid getting peeing his pants because Dr. Grant was talking to him about how a raptor would attack him. Yeah. I wanted to read that part. Just like I've read, I've seen, uh, there, they actually have a novelization of Snakes on a Plane, and I found the page where it says, I'm tired of these motherfucking snakes on a motherfucking plane. I found that page that's specifically there in the novelization of that movie. I wanted that part in this book, but it wasn't there. But it's just like, it, it, it shows, like, he has a better relationship with the book, and I like that. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of indifferent to that part of it, but, like, I just think it's funny that, like, that was a pretty big character point for him in the beginning of the movie. Because, like, part yeah. part of his arc in the movie was, like... His character growth. Yeah, and, like, and, like his change of opinion on children. Um, yeah. That, like, maybe it goes the other way. Maybe by the end of this movie, he fucking hates kids. Who knows? I mean, end of the book, not end of the book. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else you guys want to say about the first half of the book? No, I think I think we've covered it decently. Uh, next time, I have pulled up a list of Oprah on our book club has a list of general book club questions that we'll probably go through the next time we talk about this in two weeks. We'll go through some of these general book club questions. Some of them are dumb. Some of them are interesting to talk about. I just wanted to act like this is a real book club and see what questions book clubs ask. What a fucking nerd. Look, right? I just wanted I, I wanted to know what a book club talks about. They okay? talk about the book so that I they read, it. or alternatively, none of them read the book and they just sit around and drink wine and eat snacks. True. True. Maybe maybe you should join a finer things or, club, Rich. Or they sit around and literally read the book. Like, not to each other, just to themselves in silence. <laughs> That's my kind of book club. No, you would lose your mind. You can't handle silence. And I feel like, well, I I feel like you would actually go... Would... You would go even crazier if a bunch of other people were around you also being quiet. Uh, I mean, actually, yeah. I would I would have music on. I'd be listening... I'd bring my headphones. I would no, be listening no, to music while doing this. Not fucking allowed. Not yeah. allowed. Get uh, about here. But, that's a real douche move. Is, putting in earbuds the, while I can you're hear with your, I can hear your fucking earphones. Get them out. Turn it off. But but the thing is, the thing that would I I would have to be in a back corner, faced away from you guys. Otherwise, I'd be like, oh my god, they're they're reading so fast. What do I do? Oh my god, I, I it took me three pages to get through the time it took them five. Uh, but like most of the reason I'm reading so slow is because I'm worrying about reading. And I I would make sure to to digitally turn the page as as just aggressively as I can. Well, you gotta be like uh, Philbin. Turn the page. Wash your hands. I, I, it would be on. A, it would be on an e-reader. I don't need to wash my hands. I'm not touching paper. Turn, turn the page. Wash your hands. I'll still do like the lick my finger, like lift it in the air, swipe it across the the screen. Just make it real obvious. Look, I'm turning just, the page every time. Just look at your e-reader, and you just have streaks of spit <laughs> going down. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but let's move on. Yeah, so uh, we'll be talking about the remainder of the book, so from iteration four to the end on well, the two hundred and fifty tw- pages on the twenty eighth. So two weeks. Sounds good. Uh, da da da. So did either of you guys happen to see the news about Unity's price changes? 
I uh, saw, saw somebody mention it. That's it. I don't know anything about it. So I actually, so I I don't know what Unity's current price model is. Um, I'm assuming it, they. I know I know at one point Unity was basically free, but I'm sure at this point they do have some sort of stipulation to make money off of it. Um, just like like Unreal, like anyone can use the Unreal Engine for free, but they have a fairly high like um cost once you hit their threshold. Which is why so many um, small studios went with Unity because it was they were still able to make money by using that that um engine. So they announced that in January they are going to be doing um a a runtime fee is what they're calling it, where every time the Unity runtime engine is installed, which gets installed every time you install a game with Unity, um. It is going to basically start counting against you. Um, depending on what sort of license you have for Unity will determine how many installs you get before they start charging you. Um, it is, and there is also like a, a dollar amount based to that. So it's like the lower tiers, once they've sold $200,000 worth of the game, and it sounds like that is the retail cost, not ne- necessarily their, um, their profit from it. So $200,000 and then 200,000 downloads, they then start getting charged, I think it's 20 cents per install or, or download, which can add up quickly. Like every five installs is a dollar at that point. And I, some of the games are actually fairly popular games that are on things like cell phones and Xbox Games Pass. Like Among Us is built on Unity. Um, Cult of the Lamb is built on Unity. Uh, th- there's another. So- Sorry, go ahead, Rich. So, if I were to have a game that's built on, let's say, I, I don't know, let's say Among Us, because I have Among Us, and, and say, and I don't know why I would need to do this, because Among Us is very, very, but say to save space, and since I haven't played Among Us in forever, I uninstalled Among Us, and then I decided I wanted to play it again in a few weeks, or in a few months, and I reinstalled Among Us, does each of those installs count against their runtime? Yes. That is the word, that is the wording that they sent out at least. And that is how, so I didn't see just one developer or one site read it like this either. So it's totally possible that Unity didn't mean it that way and that their PR just sucks. But apparently their seat, their current CEO is also sort of a greedy bitch. So it probably isn't being misconstrued. But yeah, so even people, I think Game Pass has 25 million subscribers or something like that. Um, if a million of those people download the game, that's a million downloads. If a hundred thousand of them play it, they still have a million downloads of the game that count against them. That's fucked. Like, it's more about the idea of uninstall, reinstall. Like, I will do that quite often with some games. Like, I'm not playing this right now. Let me know. Like, Valheim, I've uninstalled and reinstalled several times. Yeah. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm not playing it. It takes up a decent amount of space. Let me get rid of it. Especially with and console I'll, games I'll and re- stuff where you do have limited storage on these. Like, yeah. It, like PS5 and, and, and then, Xbox, unless you're spending the fairly high entry for it, like additional reliable storage, it's easier to just install games and reinstall them later if you want to come back to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which at that point, like stuff like this makes it counterproductive for studios to continue supporting games past release. Like, because you figure there are plenty of games where people will uninstall it after they finish. And then when DLC comes out, they'll buy the DLC, re-download the whole game. It's like, well, that's counterintuitive now. People are just, studios are going to stop making DLC if, if they're smaller studios and doing like new content for these games. If 
it just keeps tacking on to their download count and costing them more and more money. So I like a standard fee. Absolutely. Like Unity deserves to make money. Like they're, they're putting out the engine, the engine out there. There should be some sort of once you reach X amount of sales, you owe us X amount of dollars and it should be based like it, it should be like, like, a, like a standard fee. Not, yeah, every time, every time the game gets installed, you owe us 20 cents monthly and it, it they're going to yeah. be charged monthly once it goes into effect. Yeah, like, uh, for instance, my upcoming favorite game of all time, City Skylines 2, is Unity-based. And so, that, that, I think that's going to sell quite a bit. And that's gonna, uh, uninstalls, reinstalls, like, they have, that, that's just ridiculous. Like, that game gets big sometimes, and so if you're not playing it for six months, you want to install it. And, cause, look at, look at Among it's Us. It's ridiculous. Among Us was free to play. Um, yeah. I don't think it had a ton of microtransactions, if any, when it initially la- launched. Mm-hmm. It might now. I honestly don't know. Um, it's like a five-person team. Um, think about how big Among Us was for like six months or so in like prime COVID times. Think about how many millions of people were installing Among Us on all different devices. Well, and and think of this even like. Among Us came out in 2018, but it didn't get big until COVID. So how long that game ran for free until COVID? Like, and then all of a sudden, all of these downloads happen when this team wasn't expecting it. They, they they're gonna they definitely lose money on that. Like that's so much lost money, or like so much lost revenue that that they would have gotten from the game being free before. Like that's insane. Yeah. Like again, I get it. I like. The company that's putting out the um out the 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 engine should make money, but like don't nickel and dime like teams that are like less than fifteen people that are putting out like free to play games basically. Mm-hmm. Like I get I get like a licensing fee per game or something like that, or just a licensing fee in general to be able to use it. But I, I, yeah, at this point, it's getting obnoxious. That's obnoxious. It's so obnoxious. Yeah. It. It, it is a shame because a lot of the studios that I like, I saw posting like a lot of place. Pe- a lot of studios were um, like, and I, I have a few of them linked in the document. They were posting like like infographics basically on like their twitters and stuff, like basically going mm-hmm. like, "Hey, this is going to have a really bad impact not just on us but on the entire community that uses this engine." Because like I don't know, like I don't know that the actual numbers, but I feel like I see Unity most often in like smaller games. Most bigger games are either coming from one of these giant. Um, publishers like EAs or Activisions where they're probably using their in-house engine or they're using Unreal. So like Unity is only really hurting the smaller developers. Like they're not hurting, you know, Call of Duty. Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. If, if Call of Duty was being run on Unity, they would make millions of dollars in the first month that game was out. But like, it's not like, like you're hurting like the people that make fucking Cult of the Lamb. Yeah. Small developers, small teams. It, it's just, it's fucked. It's fucked. The second you said that, like, if I uninstall and reinstall, that counts. I was like, this is fucked yeah. up. That's it. That is how it's worded and how it seems like every developer is accepting it. Like I said, it's entirely possible that it's one of those just like shitty legal things where the way it's worded is not actually what they intend. They're just assholes and aren't specifying that yet. And frankly, they might, it, they might intend it that way. But also have the whole, oh, that's, like, like have the thing in their back pocket of, that's not really what we meant by this. Like, here is the actual terms as, like, a well, let's let's see how this goes over first. And if it doesn't work out, 
we'll roll it back, but pretend like it was the plan all along. Yeah, exactly. People are the worst. Well, the companies are the worst, I should say. CEOs especially. Mm-hmm. Yay, capitalism. Ugh. Anyway, Rich, huh. ha- how how have you in- enjoyed Ender Lilies? Now that I can actually play it, um, and my controller isn't causing it to crash every time I pull a lever, um, I this game is so good. Uh, uh, Ender Lilies, Quietus of the Nights, uh, is a small team, I think, created, developed it. I don't really know who. Um, let me pull it up on, on the Steams. It was developed by uh, AdGlobe and Livewire. Yeah, Livewire and AdGlobe, uh, which Radiant Silver Gun, which is their next game coming out, at least from uh, AdGlobe, or, or is it, that's Livewire. AdGlobe is Redemption Reapers, is their other game that came out, and it came out in the February of this year. Um, so, small team, small developers. Um, it is uh, gothic-inspired Metroidvania. Um but it also, I, it has a lot of, a lot of inspiration from like a, a FromSoft game, and in, in a certain sense, this is the first Metroidvania-style game that I've played where, like, the shortcuts are actually shortcuts within the 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 rooms themselves. So a lot of the rooms you'll go through, you actually have to go through and platform through to get to the end of the room to open up the shortcut to where you'd never have to do that again. I've never played a Metroidvania that has that style of shortcut. It's usually like, oh, you get to this room and it's either you can go one of two paths after just moving forward. Whereas like a lot of these rooms are like, oh, you have to actually go left up and around in a circle to get down to unlock this this door to be able to go left or up out of this room. And which is very cool. It's very interesting. Um, The art style is it's an absolutely beautiful game. Absolutely beautiful. I love it. I I just I I'm in all about it. Every time I get done playing, I, I make sure to take a screenshot of the uh, of uh, the souls and the bench that I'm around. Um, and, and it's it's yeah. I I'm 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 enjoying this a lot. The story is very interesting. Uh, I don't really know really what is actually going on. All I know is there's this stuff called blight that took over the world, and it started raining blight. And it infects everybody and turns them into evil monsters. Uh, and you are a priestess, or the last of the priestesses, uh, who can cleanse the blight and maybe save the world. And you have that, uh, like, ability to, like, get the spirits to fight with you? or I forget exactly how yeah. it's, like... I only played a little bit so, of the game. So, yeah, you, you uh, cleanse the spirits of their blight, and they then are... A- are immortal essentially and you can call upon them to fight with you and as you go through the the game you find out that like at one point i just i just read a note where it's like oh we had uh, a big battle go on outside the castle and so we all gave our life to the priestess who made us immortal so that we could fight the blight but in doing so that basically turned us also into the blight, but we kept our sanity in our minds. We are now immortal and will live forever and cannot die, but we're immortal and live forever and cannot die. And they won. So it's like it's like, oh that's that's interesting. Um the 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 bosses are fun, they're difficult. Um the only thing like that I was a little I thought it was going to be more like a Soulsborne where if you die you have to go back to your soul. There's none of that. It's if you die, you just go back to a, uh, a checkpoint or go back to a bench. Um, the benches are very common. 
about every two to three room. Um, and if you don't, if you can't find one, if you haven't found one in about two to three rooms, the next room you go into will most likely be a bench. It's like, that's how common they are. I feel like the early um, part of the game that, that I did, they weren't super common. Like, I think I only really had a couple of them. I don't know how long you played. Maybe uh, like two hours or had. so. I, I played, I fought the first boss. So I got like the uh-huh. second spirit. I forget. I don't remember enough of it to like tell you like specifics of what they could do. But I remember I had the second spirit and I went through, I went through like the next several like, like rooms or screens or whatever you want to call them, kind of like exploring and fighting things. Um, and then I hit, I don't know if it would be, if it was a mini boss or if it was just like a slightly stronger enemy or something like that. Like it, it didn't seem like there was anything special about it per se, but, um, I got, I, I got died and ended up resetting all the way back at like the, the boss room, like, Obviously, the boss was defeated because I had saved after that, but it was a pretty big jump. I don't know if maybe I missed one of the benches, like if they're like inside rooms that you have to like find, or if I just had been a while since I had seen one. Uh, it is possible you just didn't rest at the bench after the boss. No, no, that's what I mean. Like I rested after the boss, so I went back to like the boss room, not I, like the I not know. to fight the boss. But see, that's the thing. At that point of the game, at least two two or three rooms later before it splits off into two separate paths, there is another bench. So like there are, there were several benches after that first boss for sure. Uh, and there's no way you would have missed one, but then yes, it would have split off. And then that's where like, you might've missed a bench because you didn't go down when you could have, or you didn't go up when you could have. Um, but it is, it, it, it's, if you would have kept playing and just went into a different room going in the path you went, you probably would have found a, a, a boss door or a, a bench room. Okay. Yeah, like, a, yeah. like it, not a complaint. I just, I wasn't sure if the beginning of the game was just less frequent because mm-hmm. I didn't play much. Just, I, it was good, but I just, I wasn't having a lot of fun with it because it, it's one of those like very challenging, like enemy attacks really fuck you up sort of games. Yeah. Enemy hit, enemy attacks are hard, but it also, I went into an area that I wasn't quite prepared for, and I wasn't able to deal much damage to some of the enemies. Um, it's also very hard to actually upgrade your souls powerful enough to actually deal certain damage at times. Uh, there's a le- it's it's kind of gives you an RPG sense with a level system, um, and the level ups don't really do much, but like maybe increase your damage by one every couple of levels or increase your health but every level increases your damage by one or two and every couple of levels maybe increases your health by one um and there's like so there's so many collectibles in the game and thankfully in this game um if you miss a collectible if you get all the collectibles in a room it turns gold and if you miss a collectible it stays blue so if you're looking at the map trying to figure out what collectibles you have left you can just be like, oh, this room's blue. Let me go back there. Um, and like I said, the uh, the save points are so common that it's like maybe one or two rooms before I get back there from doing a fast travel. Um, there have been times where I was just like, oh, the last time I saved and rested on a bench was in this place. Um, and I don't want to run around anymore. So I'm just... There's actually an option in the start menu where you can just go and be like, all right, go back to the respite. Go, go back to the bench. And it'll fast travel you back to the bench without losing any progress, and then you can tell uh, you can fast travel to wherever uh, closest bench or whatever next bench you want to go. Which that's like also the thing that I dislike the most about the game is 
death doesn't mean anything. You, you you don't really lose a lot of progress when you die. Like you have to sometimes go through the same couple of rooms or or something like that. Um, but with how frequent the the death rooms are, with how frequent the bench rooms are, it's like, well, I mean, I'm not really I'm not really that far behind at this point. I'm I'm still where I was. I, like it's it's there's no like fear and then and then because there's no soul collecting when you die there's no fear of all right well if i die again i lose everything i gain so i'm like it's it's kind of it makes the game in my opinion a little too easy because then it's like all right i'm just gonna die here because i don't care i i rather than running back i'm just gonna let myself die and that'll bring me back to the bench that i was last at that that would really be my only real complaint is like death has death has no negative and you yes you can tell me that the negative is you have to go back through the room but that's not really a negative because your experience you still gain the same you still gain experience from killing all the enemies i am level i level up so fast when playing that game at one point or another i'm going to reach level 100 max level and not be able to level up anymore and that's when i'm just going to skip enemies which like that's fair um for, like, for me, that would actually be a negative, because I don't like doing the same thing over. Then don't die. That game that game was very hard. Uh, yeah, the bosses can be. I mean, I was uh, having trouble with just even, like, the mobs. I, I was having trouble getting a hang of the, um, the combat. I, 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 I mean, I picked up on the combat fairly quickly. Um, the, uh, I, I, I have my set of, I have a bunch of souls at this point. Uh, a bunch of them that I don't use. I have, like, the same five or six that I, like, generally use. Sometimes I'll switch them out to try new ones. Um, but, like, the, the thing that really gets me now is you can only have loaded up in your loadout three three allies or three souls at a time. But you can have two different loadouts set up, so you hit R1 and it switches to the different loadout. But there will be times, especially when I'm fighting a boss, you can get to a stagger, you can stagger them, and then I'll switch to the other loadout to use all of my souls on there and switch back. Um, but, like, I'll hit every single fucking button on my controller trying to remember to hit R1. Because I'll be like, I have to switch. Wait, what one is it? No, I just dod- dodged. No, I'm starting to heal. No, it's oh, it's R1. Here we go. Good. And then by the time I'm actually there, uh, his stagger's almost done. Yeah, and that... Remembering controls like that can be very hectic in those sorts of games. Yeah. So I definitely understand that that situation. Yeah, it's just it's constant. I constantly miss hit buttons or hit the wrong button, especially when it comes to um. So the way you fight is you set you set your souls into the three the three uh face but three the top three face buttons. So depending on your controller, like I'm playing on a PlayStation controller, it's, um, it's a square, triangle, and circle. Uh. If it, to, to use a soul, you hit the button that it corresponds with it, you put it in. And the combat works where most of the souls that you get have limited uses. So, and have a cooldown time. So you hit, hit circle and it'll come out and do its attack and it'll tick down one of the uses and then it'll have a cooldown time. And you can sometimes refill it by finding different flowers in the world, by finding more soul points in the world. Um, but I, I will, I will tend to like hit circle when I'm trying to dodge because a lot of games dodge a circle, whereas dodge is actually R2. Um, the other thing that they did is dodge and guard are both the same button in R2, but you don't get a guard at the beginning of the game. It's actually an item you pick up to give you that guard ability. So sometimes you guard, like, like, how does that work? Is it if the item's equipped, you guard, if it's not, you dodge or... 
if if the item's equipped, you do the guard. If the item's not equipped, you don't do the guard. If you're hitting left or right with the item equipped or unequipped, when you hit the guard slash dodge button, they then use the dodge. So you have to be holding a direction in order to do the dodge. Okay, I feel like other games do that too, just not necessarily with um with R2. I feel like R2 is a weird one yeah. for that. Nor- normally, like, guard is circle and R2 is, is a dash or a run or something. Like that. Whereas, like, because they have the three souls set to the face buttons, like, it, I get you have limited buttons to use. I, I can't remember what L2 does. L1, you use your healing magic. Um, and then R1, you, uh, what is R1? It's, it's the button on the right. It's the first one in the front. Oh, R1 is when you switch your, uh, loadout. So it's like, it it, it can be a little, it can be a little confusing because they also have, um, you, you can use either D-pad or control stick to move around, which I think they probably, if they would have made it so that it was control stick to move around and, you know, D-pad to use your other set of abilities, that might have actually worked a little bit better than having to use either of the two to move. Um, but yeah, like, it over, like, it takes a little bit of getting used. But overall, it's just, it is, it is a very fun game. It's very dark. It's very my style of game and the gothic horror and just like character designs, the art design, everything else is really what pulls me into this game, and I love it. I love it so much. That's good. Glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, maybe like more than halfway through at this point, but I don't know. Because I think maybe. it's about a twenty-hour game. Uh, it's like tw- I don't. Yeah, I was gonna say it's about twelve hours, but that's a lot. How long? Oh yeah, no, it it is. It's a twelve and a half hour game. Um, nineteen hour for main and extra twenty one hour for completionist. Which you know I'll probably go on like completionist route of getting everything because I can. Yeah, because you're broken. Uh, I'm gonna want. To. Well, it's just the game is fun enough to want to do that, and once I unlock all the maneuver abilities and all the abilities, it's gonna be easier to just. It's gonna be easy to go back and grab it. Uh, and a lot of the time that I've lost in playing this game, in, in the about ten hours, any of the time that I've lost was me going through the the levels. Again, after I unlock maneuver or maneuvers or, or movement, um, to see if I can get to the next thing or to the hidden thing in that room. Nice, nice. But yeah, Cobb, tell us about Starfield. All right. Uh, I'm gonna keep this brief-ish, just because I'm sure you will have more things to say about it if you do end up playing this week. Yeah, I'm gonna play it all day Sunday. Well, you said that last week, and look what happened. You got busy. Oh, no, I never said that. I I said I was going to try to beat it, play it, but then I decided just to stick with Ender with the two days yeah. instead. So I played like two hours-ish, which is more than I expected to play of it. Um, I Rich, I think you are definitely going to enjoy it. Um, I think that there is some frustration early on with, um, specifically with the, with the spaceship. Um, I do not like how they kind of introduce space flight even a little bit. Um they kind of like throw you into it, throw you in the space, and then while you're trying to figure out how the how the ship works and like adjust to the to the different controls, um, they just start throwing space fights at you, <laughs> and you have to finish those space fights before you can actually do anything else. Um, so it, you know, it. I found that part frustrating. It's easy, like it's not like like I never was in a position where I was almost dying or anything, but the space fights themselves just weren't fun. And trying to, uh, like, trying to get used to the flight controls while also trying to keep track of, I think it was three or four different enemy ships was just, like, it was frustrating. It was very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, but once that's done and, like, 
you, you don't really fly. Like, I don't know if you guys saw, but, like, there are people posting, like, videos. Flying from, like, a planet to, like, its moon can take hours. Um, in some cases, going to, like, the next closest, closest planet can take seven or eight hours of real time. So, like, the game does yeah. not expect you to actually travel. Um, it's more, you get into your spaceship, you take off, and then as soon as you're in space, you just set your, your destination to fast travel you to wherever you want to go, usually wherever your next, um, your next, like, objective is, whether it's the main objective or, like, a side quest or something. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, in a sense, how, uh, friggin', um, what's that game? That, that's, that other space game does it, in a way. No Man's Sky? No Man's Sky kind of does it. Uh, it's, if you're leaving that star system, you have to, quote, fast travel, light speed travel from star system to star system. And if you're going from planet to planet to planet, yes, you're actively control. You, you have to set your, your engines to go with, like, the fullest thrusters, which, like, is basically you taking fast travel because you could go hours between both planets yeah so that's how big starfield was in this case with starfield like at least this first ship has almost no speed to it and you're like burst thrusters um they only last for about five to ten seconds before you have to let them recharge for like 15 seconds so like Mm -hmm. the the game really doesn't want you flying much um i think that like the extent of space flight is really to um gather like space minerals basically from like asteroids or whatnot um that are directly around planets and for the occasional space battle um because the game has a bunch of factions and depending on how you spec your class and then how you interact with different factions will determine like if any of them are out to get you like one of the traits or or whatever you want to call it that um you can pick when you're creating your character is actually you can just set it up where you just have a bounty on your head like so there are just always bounty hunters sort of gunning for you. And taking off from a planet, you might just get ambushed by, like, a fleet of them and have to, you know, fight your way through them and get the fuck out of Dodge as quickly as possible. I like that. Yeah, like, like a lot of, a lot of like, the concepts they have in it are actually pretty cool. More so than I feel like I ever got out of Starfield or Starfield um, Skyrim or, or Elder Scrolls or Fallout. Like, though, I will say, like, I think the Fallout, like, the idea and the lore of Fallout is really cool. I just think the games were not fun. And that's that's one thing that, like, kind of bums me out about how Bethesda builds their games, is you can do something like this, um, uh, uh, a bounty hunter start, where, like, you might have bounties coming at you, but you still have the same main story as everyone else. Like, I should be able to pick, like, oh, I have this bounty hunter start, you should have a different starting story, and not the main story is everybody else. Yeah, but if I'm at, having... at that point, the game just becomes too unwieldy to properly make. <laughs> Not really. Well, so here's here's the thing. Uh, Skyrim. You don't need to do every quest and unlock every location in Skyrim to Platinum Skyrim. That's how big that game is. Yeah. There are so many unseen and unwatched quests that if you were to just set your starting thing as i just want to be a farmer they could have loaded you up as a farmer there are mods for fallout and for skyrim where you don't start as the characters you started as. you can just start randomly on the world and it's not that hard to do if modders can do it 
And, like, the, what they do is, yes, they give you, like, here is this quest line, which is the starting quest line, which they have re, re, redone, uh, audio and, and scripting, the modders have, to make it so that it makes sense as to why you're there and doing it. But that's the thing, the modders are taking a finished game and then modding it. Bethesda okay. is literally building this stuff from the ground up. Like, they would have to then put more resources into making it so that people can just literally do whatever they want and have any starting location. Because there are so many options for creating your character in this. Okay. Modded, and once the game's, like, like that's, I, you're saying, well, the modders are taking a completed game. It's like, alright, well, then Bethesda can get the game completed and then be like, alright, here's the entire broad a- aspect of the game and all the available storylines. What are some introductory points that we can bring our characters in, our players in? I don't know, I... I think that's a waste of time. I'm with Cobb I, on the like. I don't. I see, but that's the thing. Why then? Why would I choose to be about be have have a bounty on my head if I'm still going to have the same main storyline? If I'm still going to have the same things done to me, why would I want these bounties on my head? Well, you wouldn't. But like, there are people that want that because they want that extra challenge. Like, I didn't pick the bounties. I picked my I'm just, my character is a chef. But there you go. Your character's a chef, but you ended up waking up being a miner. Like, why? Why is it that I'm a miner when I'm a chef? Why is it that I'm a known outlaw with a bounty on my head, but I'm a miner? Like, why aren't you a chef on a ship that gets attacked, and then you have to find out who attacked you? And that's probably a side quest that you can run into while playing the game. It might be. Because there's a million but, fucking side quests in this game. But then the, the what they spend all their energy on in making the main storyline no longer matters. You can go still do the main storyline. But, that's but a, it's the main storyline for a reason, though. They <laughs> want you to experience the story that they have crafted. And also, but if you're you going to hold have off, to if, do the main storyline... You're right. The you don't. You get, the second you get off being the miner, minor, you can go wherever the fuck you want and do whatever the fuck you want. I've never done the main storyline in pretty much any Bethesda game ever. So you've I've never, never beaten a Bethesda. Well, I've never so, beaten like, a Bethesda game. Well, then, like, you're making two con- entirely different arguments. Like, I'm w- kind of with you on the have more options of starting places, but at the same time, that breaks the the main story they're trying to tell in whatever game. So it's like, uh, you kind of can't yeah, cause in like, a way. I I will be honest. I didn't pay a whole lot of ast- attention to the story because I don't plan on playing this much. Like I, I might, I might try it a couple more times just to get a, a little bit more of a feel for it, but I'm not going to finish it. I'm not going to dump in hundreds of hours the way people already are doing. Like there's enough stuff in it that I don't like because it's, it, it's a Bethesda game. Like it's too open for me. I want, I want more, I want more structure. Um, mm-hmm. but like what they showed, like, it makes sense. Like, it's not that, it's not that, that I am a chef that just woke up and I'm suddenly a minor. It more seemed like I kind of got stuck in this job because maybe like my life wasn't going the way I wanted it to. And then I get caught up in this weird, um, I forget what they called the thing. Constellation. It's like this group of, um, it's not a government group. It, it they almost, I get, the, I get more of like an Illuminati sense from them and you're, you're basically get um, co-opted to work with them because you had a weird experience. Yeah, you touched a rock and you got magic powers. I So I don't have magic powers yet, but I did touch a rock, and that is when you so, pass out and wake up. Yeah. But yeah, like you have like a weird vision. The, the mining director lady asks you some questions. Pirates attack. You kill all the pirates. I will give them credit. I have played an, I've 
I played just a little bit of Skyrim and and Fallout Four, right? That was the last one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I played just a little bit of those to like, so like I I understand their combat. I didn't like combating either of them. It felt very bad, and I realize both of those games are very old now. Um, this one, like the combat, actually felt pretty good. Um, uh, the, the combat in in Fallout series has always been bad because it's more RPG behind the de- scenes dice roll yeah. based. Yeah, and like it's... especially because they have the VAT system. The combat in Skyrim and Elder Scrolls is a lot better. Um, they are two significantly different games when it comes to yeah, in my that, opinion. that is true. I was just saying, like in general, never liked either of their combats from what I played of them. Uh, this one actually, like it felt like as good as I think a game like that is going to feel. Um, the sh- the shooting was accurate enough. It felt good. Like I felt like I was actually shooting people. It was easy enough to kind of like keep moving and aiming and shooting and run up on people and melee them. Um, I think the biggest complaint is the gu- like guns don't seem to do any real damage. Um, in like a, I feel like most modern games now, like it, where you hit somebody has a little bit more of an impact on like how much damage they take. Um, and it you can very obviously see that you're shooting people in the face and it's doing the same amount of damage if you shoot them in the foot and it's not much damage when you're hitting them with bullets. It's, it is much more effective to just run up to them and just beat them with the gun as a melee weapon than it is to shoot them. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause at least the gun, the gun that you get at the beginning of the game doesn't auto reload. So you do have to manually reload when you're running out of bullets. And it, it is a, it's not like it's a long time, but it is a time-consuming process for the, the gun to be refilled where you can't really do anything. So, like, firing a bullet and then just whacking the enemy with the pistol, way more effective when, you, when well, you're fighting I guys. Mean, also, remember, you're still playing an RPG, so your skills might not be high enough to make your gun slinging better. Oh, yeah, and so the guns all have damage and stuff like that. Like, I am already, like... The little bit I played, I was already getting guns that actually did more damage. So it's not like it was... It's not like every gun is going to be bad. I was just simply saying, like, that starting gun does almost no damage to the point where, like, just pistol-whipping people is actually more effective than shooting them. Um, and I was I only kept using that gun because the other guns had far less ammo. So it was like, this gun had, I think, like, 12 or 15 rounds. And some of the, the stronger ones, they seemed like they were more, like, shotgunny. So they only really had, like, maybe five rounds. And I'm like, well, I'll take the weaker gun and be able to shoot a few more times as I'm running at somebody versus having to reload every, like, five shots. Yeah. But, like, other than that, like, I have seen and played just enough of the Bethesda games to know that, like, they can be kind of clunky, like, control-wise. This one wasn't. Like, this actually controlled very well for, like, what I played of it, other than the spaceships. I think the spaceships were not... They're very, um... The spaceships very kind of, like, rolly. Like, you kind of just have mm-hmm. to turn the thrusters on and you go forward. But anytime you, you change the direction, you kind of, like, spin, if that makes sense. So it's a, it's a little hard to sort of focus in on a, on a specific direction. Um, especially early on when you're trying to, like... So you have to do... Um, there's, I think, five different power sets on the ship. And so you have to divert power between them, depending on what you're trying to do. So... The more power you push into your engines, the faster you can go, but you have to sacrifice maybe your weapons or your shields for that. And vice versa, if you're um, if you're in the middle of a fight, you might take your engines all the way down to just one so you just have enough power to move, but give your shields and weapons everything else. Yeah. Um, which, like, 
it's kind of cool that you can do that, but also while you're being shot at, very hard to like remember what buttons to hit after you you know you've been in the spaceship for 30 seconds and trying to like figure out like wait how do i divert power to my guns i my guns aren't doing anything i don't all i have are the basic lasers where where where's the the other attack they're telling me to use mm-hmm. um but yeah like i said rich i think you are going to enjoy it a ton i think like you're going to get into it and once you kind of get past the opening mission and start kind of doing whatever the fuck it is you do in these games like you're going to fall down a rabbit hole yeah, I'm hearing that it's best for your first playthrough to actually just stick with the main storyline, but that's probably not what's going to happen. I think at least a little bit that I've done, doing some of the main story does help you a little bit, because it, it gives you a better sense no, of like, like the, like the I'm world. Hearing, I'm, he- I'm hearing literally beat the game Oh no, no, no first I, playthrough before doing anything else. No, no, I understand what you mean. I'm, I was just saying like to you... Doing the first couple of things, at least, might just help make it a little more scalable, let's say. Because it, it, it in my opinion, it's bigger than, like, the Fallout or, or Elder Scrolls games are, just because it's space and different planets, even if you can only go to a certain amount of those planets that have anything on them. Um, mm-hmm. Having the game kind of, like, walk you through a couple places where you can kind of, like, get the hang of combat and exploration and all first, like... Not a bad thing before you kind of just like go and explore and do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Because at least like the game puts on your map like waypoints for everything. So like, you know where like it's easy to figure out where you've been and where you're going and like where the next like main quest objective is and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's all I wanted to say about about Starfield. It's OK. Nice. Like, I, th- I definitely think nice. people are going to like it, but I I am probably going to uninstall it this weekend so that I have more room on my Xbox. Yeah, it's big. Yeah, like it. I installed it on my PC and Xbox, so I didn't know where I would get a chance to play it. If it would be during work or after work, um, and it was, uh, it's just over a hundred gigs gigs on Xbox. It's almost one hundred and fifty on PC. Yeah, it's big. That's a lot. Like that's it is. That's a lot. <laughs> uh, but Rich, how is Monster Hunter Go? Um, interesting. That's not what it's uh, called, Monster Hunter Now, right? Yeah, I'm Monster Hunter Now. It's a. Uh, it's interesting. Um. It's so Monster Hunter now is the Niantic's version of Monster Hunter World, basically is what they're basing this off of. Um, and it's you, it's the and it's an AR game. You walk around, you can gather materials and things like that. Uh, so as you're walking around, you can gather different materials just from different spawn locations uh, throughout the world. It's not like the Pokey Stops or whatever. The Pokey Stops in this one are like bigger mineral deposits or bigger ore deposits and things like that. Uh, to get more materials from those, from the, uh, from, from them. Uh, so if I go to the water tower down the street, or if I go to the, 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 uh, the track down the street, I can get more materials from doing the little mini game, which I haven't gotten to do yet, because I haven't, I didn't go to the track today. It's a little too warm, a little too toasty. Um, you, the, 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 I can see this game causing potential issues, especially in public places. If it were to get as big as Pokemon Go, it won't. I know it won't. Uh, because I don't think anything's ever going to get that big again. No. Yeah, no. Uh, for the most part, you actually have to fight the monsters that you encounter. It's not just like, oh, here's a monster. I'll go fight it later. Although you can do that. Uh, generally it's if you encounter a monster that you have not encountered or that your cat hasn't tagged yet, uh, your cat's not going to tag it. Um, so if your cat tagged it, then you can fight it later fight one of them later, but they'll only tag one of that type of monster. So if you see six different 
Jagras is all over the place, they'll only tag one of them. Um, or, or, uh, yeah. Or you can tag it yourself and you can fight it later, but you can only, you might only be able to tag one of each monster. I'm not really sure how that works. Uh, I haven't really done any of the tagging. I was just trying to get through the tutorial stuff to see how the game plays, uh, because that's how these AR games work. Once you reach like level 10, then like, it's like, all right, here's everything else that you can do. Um, it starts you out with just one weapon type, just the sword and shield. You can't change your weapon to anything else. Uh, when you, you can fight both small monsters and large monsters, it's all the same. Tap the screen to attack, slash the screen to dodge in either direction, uh, uh, hold the screen to use a block. Um, you can, uh, uh, what's the word? You can, the, the monster will glow red if they're about to attack and that'll give you an indication when to dodge. Uh, you can play this game unlimited times like uh, as long as you want like as long as you have health you can keep playing as long as you have more than 30 health you can keep playing basically if you have under 30 health you need to either use a healing potion to heal or just give it some time and you'll recover like that's that's your quote timer so if you're good enough to where you don't get hit you can consistently play this game over and over and over with no real limit based on my understanding of the hour or so that i put into it today um most of it at my desk during lunch or while I was walking. Like, I wasn't, like, I didn't... It was just like, all right, let me see what's around so I can try to get to level 10, basically. Um, Or level 11, actually, is what you needed to get to. It gives you quests that you can work through, hunting this many monsters, this type of monster, using this type of weapon, or this weapon uh, set or whatever to to get to increase your hunter rank. Uh, once you reach level 11, there's daily quests that you can do that reset, obviously, every day. There are daily things that you can get, so your cat can tag three monsters a day. Um, and then you can continue to get the ability to tag as many monsters as you want, or you can uh, buy more of those if you run out. They're called paintballs, because just to explain to you guys, in Monster Hunter lore, when you go out and fight, there's an air balloon up in the sky that watches you and helps you track the monster. And so you hit them with a paintball. So they're covered in paint, and the air balloon can track it better, and it sharp marks on your map where the monster is at all, at all point. Um, so, like, that's what you get. You can get more paintballs to mark it, and then when you get home or get to a place where it's safe that you can actually, uh, like, fight the monster, you can sit down and actually fight it. And the fights don't take long. Uh, I think that my longest fight was, like, 25 seconds. Uh, but I've only been fighting the lowest level monsters. I don't know how... It might take a couple of minutes with higher level monsters. It might be a little bit harder. Um, I haven't gotten that far in-depth into it. Uh, it's going to be the Monster Hunter grind of fight the monsters over and over to get the the parts to be able to build the armor and upgrade it, but just like in Monster Hunter. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, it can cause a lot of problems because you actually have to fight the monster, and if you are if you go into a fight, you can't just sit there and continue to walk until you get to a safe spot. Like, the uh, the monster starts to attack immediately as, as soon as you get into the fight. So, like, uh, it, well, smaller monsters. Bigger monsters, it tells it asks you if you want to link up, and then it tells you get get to a safe spot, and then click OK. But smaller monsters, if you encounter a small monster, the fight just starts. But I have killed every small monster I've come across without even having to dodge or getting hurt just by continuing to have the screen. Um... But yeah, I, I'm going to keep giving it a try just to see how it is. It's definitely not going to... There, there's there's not a lot of idle capability or like... I can't 
actively play this when I'm walking because I need to keep walking chase. But if I'm out walking by myself or if I'm with friends and we're just walking around a park or in the city, I could take a look and check it, check on it while I'm in the city and whatever. But I'm not, I, I can't like, it's, it's not easily playable when you have to actively continue to walk. Which, like, makes sense, you know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, Pokemon Go was similar. Like, it was not necessarily a game that, like, you can, you could play it while walking. But a lot of times, like, depending on what you were doing, you did kind of have to stop for a second and, like, focus on the game. Yeah. Otherwise, like, you might trip or walk into something, especially if you're, like, in the city. Yeah. And there would be times where, like, in Pokemon Go, I would encounter a Pokemon, but I'd be walking, and I'm not in a spot where I could stop. So I would hit the button and encounter the Pokemon, turn off my phone, or not turn it off, but lock my phone, and keep walking until I got to a point where I could actually, like, all right, step to the side and try to catch it. Yeah, exactly. Whereas in it, in this one, I don't really know if you... Like, I haven't tried it. Uh, they do have an active sync mode where um, if you have that activated while you're walking around, your cat will uh, tag monsters that you walk by or collect items that you walk by when you're not looking at the screen. Um, make sure to turn that thing off because otherwise it'll be on even when you're sitting at your desk. So, like, when I went on my walk today with Chase, I turned it on and I locked my screen and I was able to cross Browning Road and get into, like, the actual town area before I pulled it out and checked everything. But, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's, um, it's obviously not something, it's something made to get you to go out and play. And I don't really know if it's going to be easily playable being out and play. That's, that's fair. I, I am curious, like, how it will, um, I guess, end? Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, that end's not the right word. Like, like the Harry Potter game. Um, yeah. That ran for, like, two years, and then they just, like, nixed it because it wasn't making any money. I wonder if this one will have, like, a similar thing where it'll have some decent traction early on because people like you that are Monster Hunter fans try it. But also, like you, you find reasons why, like, it's not that... It's not something that you can play as much as, like, Pokemon was. Yeah. And it just kind of dies a slow death. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's the thing is I feel like Niantic is now looking at some of these games. I mean, somehow Pikmin's still going. Pikmin's still going. You can still play that, um, but there's not a lot to do in Pikmin besides just walk. That is a glorified step counter. Um, but th- this game, like with the actual fighting of monsters and things like that, yeah, I just I don't think it can last very well. It's it's a neat idea to have, but. The combat, at least right now, in the beginning of the game with only one weapon, is is mostly one note. It's tap, 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 slide. Tap, 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 slide. Tap, 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 slide. There's no, like, breaking parts off of a monster. There's no, like, cutting off tails. There's no... As far as I know, there's no knocking a monster out. I haven't gotten anything like that. I just unlocked special abilities, but I didn't get to try it out. That's... Okay. But hey, at least... At least if it's something that you want to do, like, it's free, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's free. I can jump on, like I said, I can tag, I can tag a monster, jump on when I get home, fight it, and then call it a day. And that's it. Like, uh, my, I can actually, I'll check now. My house has always been a bad spot for these games because we don't get, like, good spawn. Like, we get, like, three or four Pokemon to spawn here every, like, 15, 20 minutes. Um, but, with Monster Hunter now, I don't get any large monsters spawning in my spot right here. Um, I have all you on. So I have... Uh, oh, I do have a big monster that I can encounter right now if I wanted to, and I could fight it. Um, but I'm barely 
barely able to fight it at the uh, but it is interesting it, it like it divvies up like where you live into like different regions so I technically live in a desert um, then right next to me is a forest and right ne- like I am literally right at the corner of a forest a swamp and a desert where I live and so like different monsters are I'm going to encounter in different areas. well that's fun at least you have um you have some different biomes nearby yeah yeah all right well, anything else you want to say about it before we uh, move along? Nah, I might have more to talk about it next week if I stick with it. Who knows? You won't. You'll forget about it. You'll get you'll get probably. wrapped up into Starfield. I I mean, I'll probably just forget to turn it on when I go on my walk with Chase tomorrow. Just, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so last thing, uh, I went and saw Baby Metal last night. Mm-hmm. It was technically Baby Metal and Death Clock, but we, we left before they came on. Um, Baby Metal put on a really fun show. They've always seemed like they would, because they're performers more so than, at least the girls are performers more so than magicians. M- they, they are definitely performers magicians. more so than magicians. You're right. <laughs> yeah. But they're, they're performers. They're, they're dancers and things like that. That's what they were trained and brought up to do, is, well, is to dance. Well, they're J-pop people, so they're, they're, they're trained to do everything from, like, the age of four. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, I mean, all of them can sing. Like, it's just only the the one girl does, like, 90% of the singing, I think. Yeah. Uh, they, they've had, uh, one of the girls left, and they've, they've replaced the, the two younger girls once or twice, I think. No, no, um, two, two of them have been the same the whole time. Uh, like you said, yeah. one, the one girl did leave, I think it was because, like, health issues. Um. Yeah, medical reasons. And they just recently actually, like, replaced her with, like, a full-time person. Um, for the last few years, it they had like apparently like a rotating group of like three or four different people that would like just fill in as like, for like the chants and like the dances and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like their their show's a lot of fun. Like it's a lot a lot of lights. They have a lot of cool um screens and stuff like that behind them, like showing different videos, kind of like like a Coheed concert. Mm-hmm. Um. They um. It it also helped that like the crowd was really into it because like. When we when we got there walking around, like, I saw a lot of people wearing Death Clock shirts. So I'm like, okay, I wonder, you know, are people here for just them and it's going to be kind of, like, subdued for everyone else? Or if, like, the crowd's just going to be into it? And, like, the crowd was definitely super into it. Um, so, yeah, definitely 100% worth seeing them live if they're, they're ever around because they do, like, they just keep going for... Yeah. They, like, they played for an hour, um... The most they did was between songs, they would walk off stage, but it wasn't like there was like real downtime. I think it was just where most bands will just like drink while on stage. I think they walk off stage to get a drink of water and then come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's basically they walk off, the lights go down, and then the band immediately starts pay- playing the next song. All their songs just have at least like, you know, 20 to 30 second intros at the least. So they have that little bit of downtime where they can walk off. You know, if they have like something they need to bring out for the next song, or like, um, like one song, the, the last song they came out with like flags before they started like the actual song when it was just the instrumental intro. Um, so like they were able to like go do that stuff. But yeah, they for also for three girls that don't really speak English, like they were they were interacting with the crowd really well, mm-hmm. which like that was one thing I wasn't sure of. I'm like, I wonder like what sort of audience interaction they'll have. Um, and Drew, for you, I don't know if you've ever listened to him. Um, the opener was a dude named Jason Richardson. Can't say I've heard the name. Um, he, he he's an instrumentalist only. 
Um, he, like, he was playing basically, like, metal guitar for, like, 45 minutes. Okay. Um, but, like, he name-dropped Poly- Polyphia a couple times. Polyphia? Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, Polyphia. Polyphia, yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, like he name-dropped them a couple times for, like, yeah, if anyone's ever heard of, heard of like, heard them, you know, like, this song is kind of, like, styled after them. Would then, like, play a, a, an incredibly complicated song. Mm-hmm. So. Checks out. Yeah. You might like like him if, like, you're in the mood for just, like, more metal instrumental than that sort of um, experimental instrumental. <laughs> If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Overall, good time. Can't say I... Okay, Chase. Was somebody about to say something before Chase? I, I, I was going to say something, but then everything happened. What were you going to say? <laughs> um, I was going to say um, uh, that uh, I'm I'm bummed out you didn't get to see Deathhawk, Deathcock, because I wanted to know if it's just a screen with them on there, or if it's actual people out there. So I, uh, I looked and, the video and, up, and like normally they do have live people like on stage. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like gorillas. And I'm also uh, shocked that they were the headliner and not Baby Metal. I could have swore Baby Metal was going to be bigger. So it is, it's a co-headlining tour. So they, it's not like trading off like each night, but they are both headlining and not headlining. And they're both playing the same length of set for the most part. Um, Like, I think, I think Death Clock technically plays a few more songs, but their songs are a little bit shorter. Okay. Um, cause baby metal played, I want to say 11 songs, which lasted about the full hour. Um, and yeah, like I, I've listened to death clock songs a couple of times. I don't like them. And I, I fucking hated metalocalypse. I thought it was such a stupid fucking show. <laughs> um, so uh, once baby metal finished up, I looked at Erica, I'm like, do you want to leave now? And she's like, yeah, I don't care about these guys. I'm like, cool, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> like had, had baby metal been the, the closer, we would have sat through them, but we didn't have to. So it was like a happy accident. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't necessarily recommend doing, going to the man center for, for stuff like this. Um, at least during the, during this time of year where it's still kind of warm out. Um, the, the inside, like the TD pavilion at the man center, I should say, gets like zero fucking airflow. It was so goddamn uncomfortably hot in there. And like most places like that, the seats are all very close together. So if you're in a row with other people, you're just on top of each other. And that does not help with the the level of heat. Mm-hmm. Like I was sweating more at last night at like in a seat than I did standing in the sun at Sad Summerfest in the middle of July. So that's impressive because Sad Summer was insanely hot. I stayed in the shade a bunch, um, and you know what? I I'm sure I sweat a lot at Sad Summer, but I didn't feel it the way I felt it last night. Like mm-hmm. I would like reach up to like scratch like my neck, and like it was just. Soaked, like like my hair was soaked, my shirt was clinging to me, like it was bad. Because at least, I, I mean, yesterday was also very humid and warm. Whereas sad summer, you had that ocean breeze. No, no, you're thinking of adjacent. Too. Sad summer was at okay. in the same place. It was just at the skyline stage, which is like the open field stage, versus the like amphitheater. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Adjacent was nice, and like it wasn't really warm for adjacent. Yeah, I mean, like that Sad summer Sat- was like 105 degrees. Yeah, like <laughs> the Saturday of adjacent, like it, like before, um, I would say before, like the second to last band went on, like we ended up grabbing like hoodies out of the lockers because like it wasn't cold, but it was like breezy enough that like they helped mm-hmm. a little. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like it was just last night, like when we got there, like walking up to the man center, it was beautiful. Like there was a nice breeze. It was like you said, Rich. It was a little humid, but it wasn't uncomfortable out. Um, but as yeah. soon as we got to our seats. 
there was no air going through that place at all. Yeah. Which is weird because it's not I, like it's enclosed enclosed. Like it's open at the back and it's open at the sides. I think just the way it's situated and where it's situated, um, there's it's, not enough cross breeze to go through it. The, the issue is it's because it's a covered amphitheater um, going downhill and there's and it's all closed around like where you would normally get the wind coming from the amphitheater over the 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 uh, over the stage. You don't get any wind because it's all completely covered. It is uh, honestly, in my opinion, is it, it, it's kind of a poorly designed because you can't get a lot of cross where you can get left to right wind. But it's also, I think, yesterday was very non-windy day. No, there was, was a I was, there was a great breeze if you weren't in the actual like amphitheater part of it. Hmm. Like it, so like we went up. Um, I will say the the other problem with that place, if it's if the skyline stage isn't open, their food options are non fucking existent. Like yeah. Erica, there were two things they sell there that Erica can eat. A fucking garden salad and fucking reheated cheese pizza that they never heat long enough. Hmm. Like, it's cold pizza that they put through, like, a fucking bagel toaster. Like, it comes out still cold. <laughs> um, and it's $25 for two slices. Um, but, like, if you look on, if you look on their website, they claim that they have vegan options with an S. <laughs> they have vegan option in that fucking garden salad that's probably just lettuce and one tomato. Um, at least when the food trucks are there, there's like, there's a few other options, but still not much. But that's that's an unrelated thing. The actual concert itself, like um, the opener, uh, Jason Richardson, like I said, he was a lot of fun, and Baby Metal put on a fantastic show. So Nice. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, that'll probably do it, unless either you guys have anything else you want to talk about? Nope. Cool. Nope. Alright. Well, um, I guess for next week, there's probably, there, there's a Nintendo Direct tomorrow and a PlayStation State of Play. So, we might have some of that stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, if you would like to find more of our content, you can head over to www.one-quest.com. You can also help us out by supporting us at patreon.com slash onequest. If you can't support us there with your dollars, though, you can go to your favorite podcast platform like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, other places... Um, rate us, review us, subscribe to us. It all helps. You can also find us on social media, facebook.com slash onequestonline or at one underscore quest on Instagram and Twitter. Our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash onequestvideo and you can always send us emails to social at one-quest.com. And then, Rich, what is your streaming stuff? Twitch.tv slash be underscore walnuts or be walnuts on at kick. Be. Just look up Be Walnuts at Kick in YouTube. You'll find me on all those places. Video game streaming Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. Um, guys, we're at 381 followers. If we can get to 400 by the end of the year, I'd be super ecstatic. On That's which platform? On uh, on Twitch. Okay. Um, we need. We still need about 40 for Kick to become affiliate, and we need 170 to become partnered over on on youtube so i'm not even pushing youtube at the moment until that gets closer um but we're my ultimate goal was to reach 400 by the end of the year over on twitch if we do that i'd be super grateful um if we can reach 400 i'm going to do a drunken among us stream yes i will actually get drunk uh which i don't do that often on my streams anymore because of the diabetes and um we'll play among us and have a grand old time i'll have to get a bunch of people down to play it and I want to do their hide-and-seek added. Nice. And yeah, you can find all the links to all that stuff in the, the show notes. They're always there. Mm-hmm. You can just look. 
It'll take you to all those platforms you can follow or like or whatever the fuck you're supposed to do on them. Yes. But otherwise, we will be back next week with something else to talk about. Thanks for listening. Bye. See you. Bye. Guys.